Uh, what I want to do is continue on this morning with where I left off last week. We were talking about uh, redigging the wells. And it was out of the book of Genesis, chapter number 26. And we talked about the importance of the well. That uh, in Abraham's days, uh, the well, and in Isaac's days, the well represented a place where people would come. And obviously, it was for the agriculture, for household wells were uh, the life, really, uh, sustainability in, an, in that arid climate, the desert climate. So water was critical and important. So it was a place where um, it was, it was uh, uh, drawn for the livestock, for harvesting, as well as for uh, fellowship. Spiritual revelation, we talked about that, also took place at the well. God revealed himself uh, to people at the well, to the people of God, to those who were searching. For instance, Jesus and the woman at the well uh, who he spoke to her about her life and talked to her and so said that he had water for her that, uh, that she would never thirst again. And so spiritual revelation took place at the well. And then we talked about the well being a place of ownership, signifying in those days where a well was dug, specifically Abraham. We're, we're looking at his life and his heritage, Isaac. And so when a well was dug, it claimed ownership of that property. It was a title deed that warned people that this land was already taken and belonged to someone. It was a, a way of showing inheritance uh, where it was being passed on to the family generation, almost like a will, that when uh, you pass and you leave behind a will, it signifies what belongs to whom. And so... Uh, we are going to read that uh, in Genesis chapter 26, Isaac was left wells from his father Abraham. But the Bible says the Philistines came and they started to fill those wells up with earth. And what they wanted to do was take away the inheritance uh, that rightfully belonged uh, to Isaac and uh, his children. And so the devil always, we found out last week, wants to rip us off, wants to take away what rightfully belongs to us, to our children, and uh, the destiny that he has. And in verse uh, 15, in the book of Genesis, it says, Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug, speaking of Abraham, in the days of Abraham his father, and they filled them, with uh, the earth. And verse 18 says, Abraham had to dig again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, for the Philistines have stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And so we found out that um, we looked at a few uh, areas of spiritual well digging that many times we as Christians lose sight of and we allow the devil to come in and to uh, take away what belongs to us through our worship or lack of it, through our repentance. And that's what we talked about the first thing last Sunday morning was repentance. Say that word with me, repentance. <laughs> repentance is so important because in the Scripture, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he says, uh, you know, there needs to be a proof of your repentance, not just your, the way you dress, 
Not just the words you use, the way you walk, but your lifestyle needs to show that you truly have a relationship with God. He says in Matthew chapter 3, we read it in verse 8, prove by the way that you have repented of your sins, uh, the way you live, that you have repented of your sins and turned uh, to God. So Jesus was saying, prove it. Don't just talk it, but let your walk speak. Let others see your lifestyle. And so changing the way you think about sin obviously was critical. Then we looked at the well of spiritual vision. A lot of times we allow the enemy to come in and begin to clog our vision. He comes in and begins to, where we once uh, had a vision for God, we once were excited uh, about what God was going to do in our lives. Uh, Now, our spiritual vision over a period of time begins to become clouded, and the enemy comes and fills it in with distraction. No longer are we excited about God's plan. No longer are we striving for the plan, the will of God, uh, the dreams that we had, but now we allow the enemy to fill them in. We looked at Proverbs 29, 18, that says, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law is happy is he. And so when we strive and contend for what God has spoken to us, and we begin to dig back and begin to reclaim that place that the enemy has taken over, God begins to refresh our vision and begins to renew our faith and begins to give us a new revelation. We need to have vision because when we lose vision, we begin to perish or fade away in our commitment to the things of God. Uh, we left off, and I want to take a look at this morning, redigging the well of trust and faith. Well, man, that's so important this morning. Faith in the Word of God. Trust in the Word of God. You know, remember at salvation, when we first got saved, man, there wasn't anything we didn't believe God's Word for. If God said it, I believe it. Remember those days? If it's in the Word of God, Man, there is no doubt about it. If, if it's something that uh, I read, I prayed about, God spoke to me, I trust God, I believe God, his word is truth. Let every man be a liar. And that was our foundation. You remember those days? When you first got saved, boy, there was nothing like the word of God. But see, over a period of time, through the battles, and that's what we were talking about, that through the hardships, the struggles that we go through in life, the assault of the enemy against our faith, Satan comes like he did uh, with uh, Isaac and begin to fill in the well of faith uh, and begin to fill in uh, the well of trusting God and begin to fill in the well of uh, confidence in what God's word says. How many want to be God-pleasers this morning? If you want to please God, you know the way to please God? You want to know the way to please God? The Bible tells us the way that we can please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He says, 
right here, the writer says, without faith, say, say that with me, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, we cannot please God. So the opposite must be true. Isn't that right? With faith, exercising our faith, it is pleasing to God. This is why the devil wants to fill in that spiritual well of faith and trust. Because he knows that if he can get us to begin to doubt God's word, doubt the promises of God, what's going to be the result? We're not going to trust him anymore. Because when we exercise our faith, what are we doing? We're saying, God, I trust you. Isn't that right? When we step out in faith, you take that leap in, 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 in any area of your life, whatever it is that God has been dealing or challenging you about. When you step out and take that leap of faith, you're saying, God, I trust you. You're going to make it work. You're going to make it happen. No matter what I see, hear, or feel, or whatever, I'm going to trust you. And this is why. The devil loves to come in, and he loves to fill in that spiritual well of trust and faith so that no longer are we going to put our confidence in God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And then it goes on and says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what I love about our altar when we pray in the morning. There are folks that are coming by faith. They may not have received uh, that promise yet. They may not have received uh, that miracle yet. But you know what, devil? I trust God. I trust his word. So here I am, and I'm going to challenge what uh, the devil says, and I'm going to begin to redig that well of faith, redig that well of confidence and trust in the word of God. Because when we do that, we knock the devil back on his feet. When we do that, we stand taller and we stand stronger because of faith in God's word. Faith has to do with trust. We know that. The book of Job, chapter 13, and verse 15. Job, we know the story, who's been going through testing in his life. Boy, has he been going through testing. He has sickness. He has bodily sores. Uh, he has, is losing uh, his, his, his uh, property and uh, his resources. In fact, his family is even leaving him. His wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? And there he is. At one point, he is renowned. He is wealthy. His family is flourishing. He has everything that anybody serving God could want. And then the next point, here comes the test that the enemy came to test him. Hey, you see your servant? The enemy goes, hey, take everything away and he won't serve you anymore. Because he's just serving you for what he has. He's just serving you for the blessings. Let's see how much he loves you. And in the word of God, Job chapter 13 and 15, verse 15, listen to what he says, to his words. Listen to Job's declaration in the middle of everything falling apart in his life. Have you ever been there? When it seems like your life is falling apart, 
when it seems like everything is going to be lost, it seems like nothing is panning out the way you thought it was, and there's the devil speaking to you his lies, his deceptions. And listen to what Job says. Though he slay me, even if God kills me, Job says, yet I will trust in him. I will maintain my own ways before him. So, so important that when we exercise our faith, Job was exercising what? His trust in God, his confidence in God in the middle of adversity. And this morning, look at your life. What are you going through? What adversity have you faced or are you facing What is the devil trying to do to fill in that spiritual well of trust and confidence that he's assaulting you today? Be like Job this morning. Job was determined to trust God and maintain a lifestyle of godliness in spite of what his friends said, in spite of what people around him thought. uh, He says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put my faith in God. Because when the cares of this world come to trouble our hearts, the battles we go through, if we're not careful, our faith will begin to become filled in by the lies of the enemy. Jesus spoke about this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 6. The disciples were talking to Jesus, and they were concerned about their lives because, after all, they felt they've forsaken everything to follow him. And so they're wondering what the payback was going to be. You ever been there? Okay, God, I gave you this part. I'm waiting. My arms are open. My pockets are ready to be filled. My body is ready. Here I am. And we start to bargain with God. And the disciples are no different. There they were. And Jesus speaks to them and says, Hey, man, I'm telling you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body, or what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Because after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. What revelation that when the devil comes to want to cause us to doubt God, God, don't you see what I'm going through? God, don't you know what I'm feeling? And there's the devil. And God, don't you understand what's happening in my life? The devil's filling in our trust, our faith, and confidence in God's word. And Jesus tells the disciples... Your Father in heaven knows those things you're going through, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all of these things you're worrying about, you're wondering about, will be added to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus was reassuring the disciples and the multitude, God has it. He has it. 
He has it under control. He knows those things in your life. He knows those worries, those concerns. He knows those areas that are just causing you to lose heart. And Jesus is there. And he understands all of that. And he reassured the disciples like he's reassuring you and I this morning that God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Confidence is what we need. Trust in the word of God. Listen to the words of the psalmist in Psalms chapter 18 verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom will I trust? He is my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. <clears throat> that buckler was a, 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 a shield they wore on their, on their wrist or on the forearm to block. And what the psalmist is saying, that God is my rock, my tower, my strength, and my protector, and that when I trust him, he will provide for and protect me. When I put my confidence in him, he will deliver me. He is the horn of my salvation. You ever use your horn in your car? Maybe everybody uses a horn nowadays for everything. In England, they got a law. I remember honking my horn uh, waiting for, for some folks to come outside. It was at night, and I pipped my horn, as they say in, in the UK, and a motorcycle cop pulled up. He said, were you pipping me? I said, what? I said, were you pipping me? So I just honked my horn. He goes, well, you know, you can't pip your horn after 8 p.m. in this neighborhood. I said, well, I wasn't aware of that, Ossifer. Ossifer. Okay, so I won't pip my horn anymore. <clears throat> but what I was doing was I was uh, sounding the alarm, making a known. And that's what the psalmist was saying. He is the horn uh, of my salvation. He will warn us uh, about danger. He will sound out the alarm in every area of our life when the enemy is going to come to attack. And we have confidence and trust uh, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's always going to be there with us. Because why? God's word has been tried in fire. Think about the assaults that have come against the word of God. The assault that had tried to destroy the promises of God uh, throughout the history of uh, the word of God. And it has not succeeded. Man has tried to keep it out. Man has tried to put it down, but I tell you what, God is stronger. His word will live longer. His word has been and always will be. And then in Mark eleven twenty two, because God has never failed his people, he says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Literally, have the faith of God in your life. Have the faith of God. My God can do what? Can move mountains. My God can do what? 
can part the sea in the oceans. My God can do what? Can stop time. My God can do what? Can stop the sun. My God placed the heavens, uh, the stars in the sky. My God is an awesome God. He can do anything uh, that he says he can do. And that's confidence we have to have in him. In your circumstance, in your situation, get your spiritual shovel and begin to dig out uh, whatever strategies the enemy brought and begin to say, no, devil, my confidence isn't in you, but in the word of God. And redig uh, that spiritual well. Then there's the well, the spiritual well that every Christian is going to have to deal with, and that's the spiritual well of stewardship. Say that word with me, stewardship. One more time all together. We know what the book of Malachi has to say about stewardship. And in chapter 3 and verse 8, the question is asked, will a man rob God? And the actual response would be, oh, really? How do you do that? How, do you, how does somebody rob God? Well, the prophet replies and says, but how have you robbed me? And you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings is the response. You're cursed with a curse, for you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And Prove me now, wherewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be not room enough to receive it. And I like this part. And I will rebuke the devourer. God says he will rebuke the devourer. Who is that? That's the devil. That's the, the strategies of the enemy. That's the demonic forces that want to come and rob you of the blessings of God. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time. In the field, the Lord of hosts says, and look what happens. All nations uh, will call you blessed because you will be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Bring in the first uh, fruits of your labor. But the devil says, well, you know what? You can't really afford to do it this week. Too many other things to do. You know, you can't really, you know, it'd be nice, you can tie, but you, got, you have that thing that needs to be taken care of, you know. Uh, yeah, tithing, well, you know what? I think that's only Old Testament stuff, nothing in the New Testament. I think that's, that's, that's what that is. And, you know, tithing, yeah, yeah, right. That's it. all they ever want is your money. It's all they ever talk about. And all they ever, yeah, that's, all, you know, and, and tithing, you know, and, and, and stuff. You know, that other church, they don't, they don't talk about that stuff. And, you know, that's cool. Just don't worry about it. You're cool. Yeah, right. Well, you don't, you don't have to listen to God's words. What's God got? It's old school. And what happens is the enemy has clogged up your blessings. He has literally stopped up that well of blessing from your life, that well of fruitfulness in your life because of the lies that he brings. We know the story of Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts, 
chapter number five. I don't need to read the whole story, but they had some property. They sold it, and they brought a portion. And uh, they said, here it is, everything we got from it. They brought it to Peter. And uh, they lied to Peter and said they brought all the money from the land that they sold. Peter asked him, he said, why, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? See, what that tells me is that the Holy Spirit knows. Man may not know, but the Holy Spirit knows. God knows. That, you know, you've held back. It was yours. You could have kept it all if you wanted. But don't lie about it. Just be honest. Graveyard dead, pushing up posies right there. Because they lied about giving to God. How many know giving requires faith? It requires trusting God. And the, the, the spiritual well I spoke about, see, they're all connected when you stop and think about this. Repentance connected to this. If you're not tithing, you're not giving your offerings, then repent of it. Vision. If you don't have a vision, if your vision has been clogged simply because, well, I don't know, I don't see anything anymore. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, know what's going on anymore in my life, let alone the church. And so, you know, your vision's clogged. You're not going to give because you don't have vision. When people have a vision, they give. When people have a live vision, yes, I want to give to that because I want to see that happen. I want to see better things happen. And so they give. So he says, prove me, trust me, that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Literally, empty out upon you. Woo, think of that picture. Empty resources, blessing, provision, fruitfulness, whatever the case might be, God will pour it out upon you. Holding back nothing. Lastly, closing, the well of obedience. You know, I think about when I first got saved. Whatever the Word of God said had to be true, like we were talking about before. I'll obey it. It says, you know, that's not a good thing to do. I'm not doing it. That's not a good place to be. I'm not going there. That's not a good thing to watch. I'm not watching it. Not a good thing to to take into your life. I'm not taking it in. Obedience. Obedience. But over a period of time, here comes the lie. Here comes the enemy. Obedience, eh, you just want to dominate your life. Obedience? You know, I don't think God has anything to do with that. I think it's just that guy up there. I think that's all. He just wants to control you. That's, That's what I think. Obedience? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I, th- I think, you know, that's old school stuff, and obedience is, you know, yeah, you don't need to do that. You know, you, you're your own person. You know, you're liberated. Don't have to worry about it. You're cool. And he fills in the well of obedience to God, and we think that we're okay, and it's not that big of a deal. But you see, obedience is the Mark of a true disciple, obedience to the word of God, obedience to the, the, the plan of God in every aspect, in every area that we as men and women of God 
because God demands obedience. He doesn't ask it as far as it's an option, but he demands it. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We call him Lord. We say, Lord, 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 I love you, Lord this, Lord that. But we do our own thing. We disregard his word when it comes sometimes to our lifestyle, when it comes many times uh, to some of the things that I've been talking, speaking about in yielding our lives over to him and letting him be Lord of our lives. See, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 begins with God's obedience to God the Father, to his obedience to God the Father. It begins with him submitting to his Father. It says, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Wow. He became the author of eternal salvation to whom? To whom? To all those who what? Who what? Obey. obey him. You see the link there of obedience, salvation, blessing we know and understand. So, so critical that we do not our lives, our obedience to God's word and to the authority that God has placed uh, over us as individuals. And I, I always say this, and I'll say this here as I close this down. I thank God for men that I am accountable to, because obedience has to do with accountability. When you're accountable, how many know you're obedient? You're, you have a job. You go to work. There, you have a supervisor or a foreman or someone, and you submit to them. Why? Because they are your authority. So you're obedient when they say, go here, do that, you do it. Otherwise, you lose your job. Isn't that right? Anybody finds a job where it doesn't matter, let me know. <laughs> there is no such job. Obedience is critical. And you're submitted and accountable. And it's the same way when it comes to serving God in every aspect. Thank God that I've got leaders over me who, who labor with me that I am accountable to. And they can call me out at any time, say, what about this and what about that and what about the other? And I'm accountable to that. And you know what that does? It brings safety to our fellowship. Because there's not a loose cannon out there running everything and says, ah, well, I don't care what you say. It doesn't work that way here. Somewhere else maybe, but not here. And that's the safety net that God has given to us. And that's the great thing about our fellowship that I love. So obedience isn't optional when it comes to the things of God, something that is necessary. So keep digging. Keep digging this morning. Don't stop digging your well. Don't stop. Isaac's servants, they kept digging and clearing out all the garbage that was there, kept digging and began to refresh themselves. And it says when they kept digging, what they did was they thought, oh, my gosh, a well of water began to come up and say, yep, give me some more. I want some more. I want the blessing of God. I want God to clean me. I want God to help me. I want to be refreshed. How many want to be refreshed? And the only way that's going to happen is as you begin to dig and dig 
and dig because Isaac's servants kept digging. What the Bible says they found was a, a springing well of water. And it's that springing well of water that when we dig, God begins to refresh our lives. Want to drink? God begins to refresh our spirit. He begins to refresh us and bring uh, that excitement again into our lives uh, that the enemy tried to take away in our, in, our, in our walk with God. You see, it's so important this morning that you understand the concept of who you are as a man and woman of God and the enemy that you have who wants to take away your inheritance, to remove uh, your children's inheritance and to cause you to lose uh, the blessing of God. As our group makes our way up this morning, I'd like for all of us to just close our eyes for a few moments uh, and uh, bow our heads before the Lord if we could.